0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. report for prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony Delisandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast Hero Nation. Moon Knight hits Marvel, Zack Snyder's Oscar Love. And also today we have Morbius director Daniel Espinosa. So here it is. So
1: let's talk about this. So, Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight has finally arrived on Disney Plus. Little dark. We're going to have a review later on on Deadline, but right now let's talk about it. You know, this is a show that is has been very deeply awaited because this, I think, pretty sure, is the first Marvel show to feature. to to not feature a character from the Marvel universe that we've seen before, either in movies or previous shows. Yes, Hawkeye Hawkeye obviously had new characters, but it still had Jeremy Renner in it and stuff like that. You know, Anthony, this is clearly now a new stage for the MCU. How do you think it's going to land?
0: I don't know. You know, the one thing they say, in all confession, I've only seen the first episode, and it's enjoyable. I'm all drunk on Loki and this whole thing with, uh, with Jonathan Major's new villain and everything and the extended and, and WandaVision. And I'm really excited to see what happens with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm all drunk on that. And the fact that something else isn't playing into that, or at least supposedly, that's what they say, despite the fact that this guy has an associate identity disorder, meaning the Moon Knight character. I don't know, I'm just kind of like, I'm really drunk on, if it's not multi-universe, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. But we'll see, we'll see what happens.
1: Well, I will say this thing, you know, I was a big fan of Jeremy Slater's uh, version of The Exorcist that ran on Fox for two seasons. And I I think that there, I think that there's some constraints that they clearly have, because it's Marvel. I think they've got an amazing actor in in Oscar, clearly. Exactly, Um, And he does a little, there's a little bit of a masterclass here over the first couple of episodes. And you kind of have to go with that, you know? He does get, but my issue is it takes forever to get the suit on Mm -hmm. and you're not laying down good tracks to get me to the next place. Now, I know that that's part of their strategy with an opening episode. They, they, they have done this time and time and time again. Marvel shows almost even WandaVision, which threw out so many Easter eggs, you could probably get to be hunting bunnies. But you find yourself realizing that these shows do not end up where they start off. So it's really gonna be interesting to find the way in which they're gonna get into that. What I will say about Moon Knight, because most people have only seen the first episode. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawk, man. Ethan Hawk waited and waited yeah. and waited to take the Marvel money, Let, like held on to his artistic credentials as long as he could until the money was probably too great. And then he just shows up and blows everyone away. Besides the questionable haircut, he's a great villain. I mean, they need to get him all over Marvel and make sure that he's definitely like a colonel in Hydra because he's
0: a great villain. So Dominic, I've got a question for you that I want your take on. I obviously, tell me about the difference now, obviously it's more connective, but you know, I rather enjoyed the Jeff Loeb era of Marvel TV shows on Netflix. And it's very interesting how those were set up and where these are going. Can you tell us more on that? What's your take on that? Well,
1: I mean, I'll say one thing, you know, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, I mean, let's all kind of pretend that Iron Fist didn't happen. The second season was definitely better, but <clears throat> it was a it was a misfire. And the Defenders actually kind of worked in a weird way. I like the
0: Defenders, yeah.
1: Especially with Sigourney Weaver. But they were yeah. much darker shows. And they were, let's be honest, much more mature, dealing with issues of drug addiction, dealing with issues of race, dealing it's with the Jones. Jones m- much more, much more mature. Um, the Marvel Universe on Disney Plus is is on a tightrope. Now, Disney Plus have since kind of realigned their maturity uh, standards and practices, let's call it. I don't know if some of you realized most recently in the past week or so when you went on to Disney Plus, they actually gave you uh, parental control options that previously did not exist or certainly were not apparent. So, and that and that was distinctly parallel to Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Defender moving from Netflix and now appearing on Disney Plus because the rights have reverted. So I think that it, it's hard to tell. What could be really interesting, and we know that there's a little bit of this out there because of Spider-Man No Way, because of Spider-Man No Way Home when a certain Matt Murdoch shows up. You know? Right. So we know that, that, that those, let's call them the Netflix Marvel shows, they're not, they're not DOA on Disney Plus. There's a reason they're there. You know, Mike Coulter's obviously on on Paramount Plus is evil and there are other characters who are doing other things. Again, strongly recommend they don't bring back Iron Fist. But I do think there's always been a desire to see more Daredevil. Daredevil is such a great character within the Marvel universe. And I think Luke Cage and also Jessica Jones, I think that there is a real possibility of, of integrating them into this, probably with cameos over a while, but we'll see. Um, I mean, Charlie Cox has certainly made it very clear he'd love to do it again. Um, But I think the meld is not there yet. They've got to find a way. Maybe it's like a cake, they've got to kind of settle on each other. And with that, I'm going to use that as my transition to settling. Zack Snyder,
0: King of the Hill at the Oscars. How did that happen? I mean... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I gotta tell it you, man, if you've, ever seen, if you've ever seen Russian bots in action, it was certainly on Sunday night with Army of the Dead and the Justice League. They won Oscar fan favorite and Oscar cheer moment. Now, these were new things that were introduced as part of the endless pandering the Academy is doing in the hopes of finding ratings, none of which seems to work. Um, and uh, they kind of turned the, the prestige of the Oscars, downgraded them to the MTV Movie Awards. I mean, you saw Johnny Depp's fan base, who are always hardcore, trust me, Uh, and they came out in strength for him. But it was Zack Snyder, who's always had a very strong online presence, who brought his fan base out en masse with these two movies. And the thing is, you're kind of left with this. So are these Oscars or honorary Oscars or how does this work? So they're actually been defined now as Oscar fan favorite awards, not actual Oscars. But come on, let's be clear. Your on in Poughkeepsie thinks that Zach Snyder won an Oscar. We all think that now, and Zach Snyder is not going to work too hard in
0: dissuading people from that. How does the campaigning work with fan favorites? What are you going to do? What are they doing? Are they sending like I don't know Batman kits? No, I mean you you saw the, they were you know he was very active. Others were
1: active, like hey hey we're you know we're in the running for this. You can do it. You can vote, and people voted. I mean. You know, there's a great mass of people on social media who probably their interaction with the Oscars is very small because they don't really get to interact with it. It's all dealt with by Academy members. They make their vote. You bring the people in and the people, people vote populist, my friend. And the people vote, they they vote as they're pulled in their push depending on what their take is. And that's what happened here.
0: Hasn't American Idol been on the air for 22 years or something like that? It's like Uh, they're finally catching up with this
1: maybe I think, maybe but i, I don't but, know I, you know the thing is i think this is a one and done i don't think you're going to see any more oscar fan favorites or oscar cheers and i'm not just saying that because this year's oscars turned into you know it started out as the grammys turned into the mtv music awards and ended up being fight club i'm not <laughs> saying because of that but i am saying <laughs> i think i think the mistakes that occurred or a fight club revival that i did not see coming um a, i i think the mistakes that were made in the oscar telecast i think besides some obvious ones, I think everyone pretty much agrees Oscar fan favorites and Oscar cheer moment, which is just so weird. Um, I don't see that. I don't see that getting renewed. What do you think?
0: I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's so, it's such a silly, it's a, such a, a silly thing. And I think it just waters down the show, you know, and what does it mean in the end? Yeah. And I mean, with the Oscars so late, it's like, it seems like Army of the Dead and the Justice League recut. It, I mean, it was like a year ago. It's like ancient history.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about some more
1: recent history.
0: We have Daniel Espinosa, the director of what will be this weekend's number one box office at Morbius. Here he is. no purchase necessary. VGW group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. So Daniel, directing, how, how did this project come to you? This, you know, getting into the Marvel universe?
2: Oh, I, I you know, I just did a movie called the uh, Life for Sony and, uh, and I think that they, 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 they liked the, the picture and, uh, and uh, after a while they came around and they asked me about Morbius and I, I thought from the beginning it was quite uh, exciting this idea of this uh, you know outside kind of character and uh, also led to us this outside person within you know the kind of Hollywood community. So I thought, like you know, this is uh, this is something that you can do a bit like um, you know undercover. <laughs> so
0: the um, the big one of the big key things here in trying to tie this to the greater Spider-Man universe is including michael keaton's vulture character when did that exactly come about was that decided during the pandemic when you were sitting on the film because this was supposed to be like the first of the three sony marvel films this was supposed to come out before venom let there be carnage and spider-man no way home but how did that how did that come to be
2: Oh, the, the, the uh, Keaton was uh, was there way before, uh, you know, Venom 2 came out and, and you know, if you look at just the timeline of the trailer, you know, the first trailer, the first time you see Keaton, it's prior to all, all of that, no? Yeah. So the first trailer came out, you know, super early, do you remember? Because we, we were still like kind of in the middle of shooting. So it was, it was a, you know, it was an idea that I think Sony had had ever since they made the Spider-Verse, you know, the animated movie, which introduced the idea of different timelines. So, so it was since then.
1: Daniel, one of the things about Morbius is, I mean, a character known to the hardcore fans, but not obviously with the, with the wide recognition to the greater audience. For you as a filmmaker, is that a challenge or is that an opportunity? Being that you've you've got a character
2: that many people don't really know. I mean, you know, I just make the movie, man. You know, you know, I don't care how much people know about it or not. But, but, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was more that you know I could see that it, it was not decided yet what was kind of the pure kind of. Um, Concept of how a Morbius would look, you know, because if you have him, you know, in the early 70s, he has a more kind of rat kind of yeah. face, you know, and he's very like apologetic, and you know, like that kind of person. And then you have him in the 90s, where he's like this nine-inch nails kind of you know sexual fantasy, you know, where he's like I have to say, Daniel, you're very
1: era-specific with those definitions.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. very, very like you kind of nailed the 90s there. Yeah, exactly. So, so so so, but but I mean so so. I just think that the uh, what was fun was to kind of, uh, that we got together like this concept and think like, oh, what do we think are like the cure elements of, of how this kind of looks and feels and all that, yeah.
1: What was it like for you? I mean, obviously we've got Jared as, as Morbius, but you've got the wonderful Matt Smith in this film as well. And the interaction between them is quite astounding. Um, I'm not gonna give too much away from people, but they know each other, they're kind of friends, and things go kind of weird. Um, give us a sense of what it was like working with the two of them in, in terms, of especially the stuff they do together, and and kind
2: of really developing these characters. I mean, you know, first time I met Matt uh, Matt Smith, uh, I only knew him for, for his work, but he just came into a bar, you know, and I was like, that's you know Sid Vicious right there, you know, he just looked like a person who you know, uh, you know, like to drink life from a chalice or something, you know, like and the and the. And I, you know, felt some admiration for for that quality, and I thought that would be fun to kind of give to Milo, to a person who, who's been uh, locked inside of his apartment his whole life and just lusting to kind of be out and do things and fantasizing about him until they become almost perversities. Yeah. And then he's then he's let out, and then he kind of he can't really deal with, it and 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 everything goes wrong for in his decision-making after that. But I liked that idea of having like, and then I really liked the idea of, you know, Jared Leto is this kind of marathon man, right? Dustin Hoffman, you know? Yeah. I'm the oh, method that I go into it, right? So then I liked, you know, Emma Smith would be my Laurence Olivier, you know, why don't you try, try acting, my dear boy? You know, you know that oh. kind of thing. So, 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 so. so I thought I that would, be, say, yeah, would that, be those two. to play a game of film Trivial Pursuit with Daniel because
1: he clearly could nail this game. One more thing I want to ask about, and you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about Matt's character. It feels to me, even with all the delays and the moving around of the schedule, this film is like, it feels like a superhero movie that's actually talking to the COVID pandemic times. Because it's talking about isolation, uh, illness, and it's talking about the sense of freedom. For you, obviously you did not make this film with that going into that. How has that
2: changed with real life events for you? I mean, you know, it probably does, you know, a little bit, you know, but it was mostly, I think it was because we're doing a movie about sick people, you know, and then when the COVID came, I just think we all became like a bit sick emotionally, you know, like how we felt, we felt sick, we felt endangered and, you know, and and fragile and, and, you know, I mean, you know, when I was shooting the movie, you know, we were talking about these kids and many of these kids that have like these autoimmune diseases, they're really sensitive, you know, for any kind of stress from outside. So, so we, so it was more that I think that us as human race grew more to be able to uh, feel for people uh, how they're, you know, go about their lives if they have, you know, these sickness. I think we have a bigger understandability. I, I, I didn't have it, you know, when the movie was making, but no, right. it
1: really resonates now. I
2: think. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. hope that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> so, Daniel, the pandemic hits March 2020. Yeah. Where, where are you with the state of your film? And I'm, how did I'm, the whole pandemic change, impact the film? What changed?
2: I, I think in March 2020, if I'm not completely mistaken, we're going to release the movie in like in July, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then not no. so much no exactly no and then we moved to to uh october i think remember yeah and, you, you know
0: did you have yeah. a locked cut back in march 2020 or did you when you got extra time were you like hey let's add an extra sequence or let's dress up the vfx for an extended sequence here
2: or something i mean, I mean you know there were other stuff that were made you know but i think that in March 2020, my intention was to lock it and and have it finished, you know, for July, and then and then when it opened up, if you have more time, then you know, then you know, and you have a car, there's some, you know, smoke coming out of it, you know, you're gonna open up the hood, and you know, that's 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 what you, that's what people do, you know.
1: We've asked Daniel over the past several months. Clearly, you guys are not alone in the, in a film that got delayed because of the pandemic, multiple times. But <clears throat> well, we've asked people about this, and I want to ask you, which is, what is that like for you as a filmmaker? Because it feels like, you know, you make a film, and you've given yeah. a release date by Sony, and this is when it's going to happen, and Jared and Matt and people are ready to go out and do press, and then it all stops. And then yeah. you get another date, and then that's pulled, and then another yeah. date. Like you know, no time to die. God, I mean, they must have had like four dates at one point. Yeah. You know. So what is that like for you? At one point, you you just like you know, screw it, enough. Like put the movie out whenever you want. I got other stuff
2: to do. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely got to that last point at some point. You know, but uh, but um, it's it's hard because it's you know, disregarding what you say, you can't really uh, you know continue until the movie's out. You know, you know throughout these two years, I was like, hey dude, I'm fine. I don't give a fuck. You know, like, like you know, i am do my movie, I'll finish what I'm done, blah blah blah. blah, blah. But you know, but then when, when I released the movie today, I just woke up and go like, oh dude, that was so strangely nice to yes. just you know, like it's done. You know, I think I have more movies in me. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna work hard to, to, to make a good one. You know, and uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And that was it, it's uh, this. Um, uh, I mean, we all felt it that we were almost like kidnapped. You know, yeah. for, from our lives. And also, I mean, a big part of me of making movies when I started making movies was that it was like a circus. You know, you get on this crowd of people, you become like best friends. You ride around, you know, and they work as hard as you can. And then you leave each other, and you never meet each other, meet each other again. That's like the joy of it, you know? Because you're in the circus. That's and then suddenly, like, the people are like, oh, no circus. You don't hang around with other people. You're like, but I'm a very lonely person. I decided Aww. to do this job because, no, I mean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>, Daniel! that,
0: <laughs> so, Daniel, before we go, uh, what's your next project? Is it Red Platoon? Is it Anarchists versus ISIS? Or could could you be like pulled into Morbius too? Well,
2: I'm I'm making a movie. I think in uh, in August, it's, you know, a very small uh, European movie for four million dollars that me and the guy who wrote Gomorrah has mm-hmm. written, and ah. it's like uh, and it's you know my movie. I decide everything about it. It's a bit of return to my kind of easy money years. Nice. You know, and, um, and it's about a, a trafficker, human trafficker that existed, that went from Libya to Italy. And, and what's and, the name uh, of it? Madame Luna. And is it, and, and it stars? It stars uh, only amateurs. It takes place in like six. Oh, that means Anthony and I can be in it. Hey, man. Come, come! I'll make you American tourist. You know? <laughs> but uh, you know, but uh, you know. So, so, so it's more like it's that kind of movie. You know, it's that kind of scene, and you know, and it has a violent ending. So, so, it's it's my kind of picture. You know. Well, based on the person who wrote it, I would assume that yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I would assume it's, that absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. My
1: friend, um, obviously this is this is the Marvel universe, and Marvel almost never does a one and done.
2: What are we thinking about a Morbius two? I think that these movies are part of like a canon, you know, like they should be done like that. They should be like part of pictures that, you know, continue on. And I mean, that's what I liked about Marvel Universe when I was a kid, you know, in Sweden, we don't got, we wouldn't get all the comic books, right? We would get like this one comic book who would take the three best adventures from the last months. And we would always, you know, and then as a fan, you were like, oh, hope it's there this time, man. And then you wouldn't get it. we get Moon Knight. And then you experience that. And then, so I think these movies should uh, repeat themselves that that's part of like their charm and expand their universe. So I like that. Well, we were very charmed by you being with us and expanding
1: our universe, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Thank
2: you. Now, but lovely being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're very kind.
1: So thank you, Daniel, for joining us. All the way from Europe, by the way, if some of you didn't know that, but you didn't know that, but I'm telling you now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Now make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode.
0: And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com.
1: Have a great April Fool's Day, my friends. We didn't pull a single gag on you.